Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, tonight we are going to uh, continue in our series. Uh, it's been two weeks, by the way, since we have talked about this baptism of power. And uh, we're going to open up the Word tonight. And we're going to revisit two verses, one out of Luke 24 and one out of Acts chapter 1. And then we will begin a walk through the Bible. We're talking about this baptism of power uh, specifically tonight uh, in, in part two, the power to be. The power to be. What in the world does that mean? Well, we'll talk about it a little more in just a moment. But let me tell you, tonight is very important. The subject matter tonight is one of the most important subject matters, one of the most important topics, and if I may, one of the most important instructions that God ever left us in, in, in today's world especially. You know, if you're like me, you need a little bit of help being more like Jesus every day. Just a little bit of help. God has been so good. He's, he, he changed my life when I wasn't even looking for him. He found me. You know, I was running around like a, like a nut. Uh, <laughs> worse than a nut. I was running around uh, just like many of you, uh, you know, involved in things I shouldn't be involved in, thinking things I shouldn't think, saying things I shouldn't say, doing things I shouldn't do. And wouldn't you know it, I ran right into Jesus, and I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't even looking for him. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was, you know, mad, uh, uh, upset at simple things. And, you know, uh, at, at, I, it was, you know, you've heard it so many times, but let me tell you, it's worth telling. I don't know how many times I can tell a story, uh, but that Jesus found me at a time that was critical in my life. You know, I was living in Europe, and, and uh, uh, you know, Brenda and I were uh, fighting, and I mean, we physically fought, and uh, and we were not having a really good time, and didn't want to, didn't want to be together anymore, and and uh, you know, I I had uh, literally kicked her out of the house that day, and I told her not to come back, and and uh, and it was all it was it, it was all my fault, by the way, it wasn't her fault, and uh, and so, you know. She went to lunch that day at a little old cafe outside of, you know, about 60 miles out of London. And, and uh, this 38, 39-year-old man walked up to her and asked her, you mind if I sit with you at lunch? Well, of course, you know, sit down. You know? <laughs> and uh, he sat down and told her about a Jesus that had a plan for her life, that would change her life. And she knew about Jesus and, you know, uh, but... Yet he asked her before he got up and left her that day, he asked, what would it hurt? What would it hurt for you to ask Jesus right now into your heart? What would it hurt to pray right now? And so she prayed and asked Jesus to come into her heart. It changed her life. I mean, it changed her life. It changed her life so much that when she came home that day and I got home, I was ready to fight again. You know, uh, I, I, I thought she's just here because, you know, uh, she doesn't want to make it on her own. She doesn't want to, you know, go back to the States. She doesn't, you know, I'm just a meal ticket anyway. You know, you know those macho things that you think? I think she was making a little more money than I was at that time. 
I think uh, when we got married, in fact, I was making $1.60 an hour, and she was making $1.65. And, uh, and so uh, those were the days. And, uh, you know, it just wasn't the same. Something had happened to her. Something had changed in her life. And it took about three weeks for me to come to the reality and to the moment of realization that, that uh, I, I, I did not have a problem. I was a problem. And uh, I, I'd had a problem for several years, our, our marriage. Uh, she had been a problem, but she changed, and I hadn't. And whenever, uh, you know, that, that just wasn't the right mix. And there, uh, Jesus convicted me, and I turned my life over to him. And, uh, you know, the last two weeks have been mighty good. No. <laughs> Jesus changed uh, you know, the trajectory of my life. Of course, I, I think I was always on this journey, always on this trajectory to the will of God. I was just pulling and, and, and kind of making a circuitous route to my destiny. Uh, but he knew where I was going. He had his hands on us and he had his eyes on us. And uh, all it took was for us really acknowledging him and asking him to come into our heart and into our life that made the difference. And we began growing in Christ. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, God has a vested interest in each one of us. He has a greater investment in your life, in the life of your children, your grandchildren, your parents. He has a, a greater investment in your neighbor than what you could ever have. And He loves every person. And He has a plan for their life. Just like He had a plan for my life. He'd have planned, you know, for, for you know, all the lives that I have gotten to touch. And the Word of God became so precious. I began to find answers in the Word of God that I had just wrestled with. And, you know, uh, I, I, I found peace and I found comfort and strength and hope and wisdom all in the Word of God. And then God began to show me just a little bit more. Not, you know, uh, I was at the point where I understood the goodwill of God. The Bible says that, that we should, you know, let the Word of God renew our minds so that we can prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, God doesn't necessarily have three wills, okay? There's not just three wills that, that we could choose. You know, there is a good will of God, an acceptable will of God, and a perfect will of God. You know, that good will of God, and by the way, all these can be simultaneous. That good will of God, that means that, that, that what's good for me. You know, God has a will for you right now that is good for you. And if you've never met Jesus, you've never turned your life over to Him, or if you're just now starting your journey with Him, then let me tell you, it's going to be all about you. In the adventure that God has for you, one of the first things He's going to teach you is how much He loves you. One of the first things He's going to teach you is how good He is and His blessings. He's going to give you these things. And you're going to go on this wonderful adventure with Him to where it looks like it's all about you. You know, basically, that's all that Abraham knew. Abraham only knew the blessings of God. Abraham was in that goodwill of God. And everything that God said to Abraham was all about how God was going to bless Abraham and bless his children. You know, when Jesus... Jesus preached to the multitudes in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 on the Mount of Beatitudes. He told them, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. You know, uh, we, we, we call uh, those the, you know, the, the Beatitudes. Blessed, you know, uh, are you, you know, are the poor and are the meek, you know, and are the peacemakers. All that the multitudes knew about Jesus was that he would bless them. 
You know, that is still the message to the multitudes today. And if you're one of those in the multitudes, if you're one among the many that have just come to Christ or are just committing your life to Christ, then you, you need to find out about his blessings. You need to find out about his goodness. You need to find out that he has a will for you that is all about you. But as you grow in him, he will begin to bring you into what we can term as the acceptable will of God. That means what will God accept from you? You know, uh, my, my little girl sits right back there. 1977, she was born, Lonstrel, Germany. And uh, Lonstrel Army Medical Hospital, there in, uh, uh, right outside of, uh, um, not too far from Frankfurt, but near, near Kaiserslautern. And uh, when brought her home from the hospital, I wasn't 100% sure that this was the way it was supposed to work. I mean, you know, you give her carrots, she'd shove them up her nose. You know, uh, you, you, uh, you know she cried, uh, you know, at odd times of the night for no reason. And you would not imagine what she would do in her clothes. <laughs> I thought, this is not the way a human should act you know I mean uh, this is taking this is taking a lot of my attention and you know what for just a few years everything in her life was all about her and the only thing that she understood about her daddy was that my every intent my every moment my my my, my every interaction with her left her with something that was good for her, something that blessed her. It was all about her. When she cried, I would run to her. You know, and, and, and everything was all about her. Oh, and I would just sit and watch her and just, you know, I mean, just, oh, it was just wonderful, amazing, just absolutely amazing. But there came a time when I began to require that she stop shoving carrots up her nose. Yeah. There came a time whenever she began to grow up. There came a time that she should begin to grow. There came a time whenever she should understand it's not all about you all the time. There came a time when she had to understand that she had to fit into the bigger picture and she had to begin to participate with some things. And now it was not just what was good just in her own eyes for her. It all of a sudden became about what I will accept from you at this point. You know, that's the way it was as I began to grow in the things of God. At one point it was all about me and his goodness and his grace. And he was very merciful and patient. But then it came to a point where he began to encourage me to change some things in my life. And one of the things was is not to point every scripture just at me to bless me. I began to have to actually incorporate some scriptures I couldn't draw out of my promise box. Well, that's funny, isn't it, Pastor Again, You remember those promise boxes back in the 80s? Every day. Every day. You're, yeah. Ken says when he's little, his parents and him every day pull a promise. But, you know, you know, and it's great. And, but, but, you know, when you grow up, if you grow up, some people never grow up as Christians. Some people are still, you know, uh, just drawing promise box, promises out. They, they literally have, 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 you know, if they pull out one they don't like, they'll chunk it away. You know, I don't want to get that one next time, you know. Um, 
You know, and, and, and all they know about God is, is, is how God can bless them. But they begin, you know, you, you need to begin to learn how you can bless God. How you can participate with God. You know, there were three courts in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. There was an outer court where everybody could come and you get forgiveness of sin there. It was all about you. And then there was an inner court. The inner court required us to actually engage in God. But the only way to get into there is actually become a, a, a servant, to be a Levite, to be someone who actually served in the temple. And you could get into the next stage with God. Whenever you began to do what Jesus said, you know, uh, different than the American dream theology of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and most people only have an american dream theology if they've been raised in that environment where all they hear is bless me feed me heal me but yet god would love us to move into a a biblical worldview to where it's deny yourself take up your cross and follow him that's going to cost you a little bit it's going to need you know god needs some workers you know god needs some people i mean you know whenever i was a kid you know um, my daddy made me mow the yard my mama made me take out the trash, you know. Uh, I had to do dishes, you know. I mean, I had to, you know, I mean, look. So whenever uh, I got married and we had children, you know, uh, actually before we had children, uh, I looked around the house, and this was one of our arguments. I looked around the house. She didn't want to have children, but, you know, the dishes needed doing, the trash was piling up, and the yard was this high. I said, we've got to have some kids, you know. Uh, and <laughs> But then it was a... A while before they could actually do those things just like us God needs some things God's job is not easy God has a difficult job if you want to know how hard God's job is he has only you to work with you're his only hope that's how difficult his job is he's got to work with you Wow well that good will of God all about me that acceptable will of God now it's about you know what will God accept and then as we mature in Christ, hopefully one day we will move into that perfect, absolutely perfect will of God to where, you know, it's just God. God has, you know, consumed my life. And I am happy with it. Well, this gap, this bridge, that, that which we saw in Christ, when we saw Jesus, we saw the Father. That's what he said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, wow, what a statement. What we saw in him was the power of the Holy Spirit at work in Jesus. We saw him demonstrating the Father. In fact, he came, the Bible says in, in John, the first chapter, to show us the Father. You know, uh, the Word of God took upon flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his images of the only begotten of the Father. Uh, and, and it says down in verse 18, he came to show us the Father, to reveal. He, he wanted us to understand God's love towards us. Well, he lived 33 and a half years on earth in his earthly life and ministry. And he went from the place of prayer to the place of prayer. And in between, he would do miracles showing us the Father. He would bless people. He would feed people. He would heal people. He would bless people, you know, feed people, heal people. He would instruct them and teach them about how wonderful God is. And he would do his best to show the Father. He said, the works that I do, they're not my own. It's the Father that dwells in me. You know, the words I speak, they're not my own. They are God's words. I mean, it's God in me. What we saw in Christ died on the cross. And the world was left for a moment 
without Emmanuel. I mean, God was overlooking, but yet Christ had shown us the Father, and all of a sudden, He's dead. He's resurrected on the third day, and, and then he spends 40 days with, with you know, a, appearing to more than 500 people, the Bible says, and, and showing himself alive by many infallible proofs. And then he ascends up into heaven from the Mount of Olives. And the very last words that he gives to his disciples is recorded in Luke 24, in verse 49. Behold, he said, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Again, we're talking about tonight the baptism of power, the power to be. Jesus, the last words that he gives his disciples recorded by Luke. Luke is this beloved physician. Luke is the, 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 the only Gentile that writes in this New Testament. Luke is a physician. He has you know, researched the testimonies and the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And he writes this letter, which we have as the Gospel of Luke. He writes this letter to a man named Theophilus. And he wants to tell Theophilus all of the things that Jesus did while he was on earth up until the day that he ascended into heaven. That was his purpose, to give a credible, very you know, logical, very detailed, well-researched account to his friend, written to, you know, to Gentiles uh, from a Gentile perspective. The book of Luke contains so much. It's where we get the, the Christmas story that we read each year. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just an amazing account of all of the eyewitnesses and all of the, the, the stories that Luke could find. And he writes them down. And so, uh, you know, a, a few years later, Luke decides that he wants to write a second letter. And the second letter he's going to write, he writes to the very same person, a man named Theophilus. Now, the first letter, the Gospel of Luke, as I said, was written to tell about all that Jesus began to do and all that Jesus did by the power of the Holy Spirit while he was walking on planet earth up until the day that he ascended into heaven. He sits down to write this second letter, which we have as the book of Acts. And Luke picks up in the very first portion of that book, of that letter, by saying, listen, Theophilus, I wrote you the first letter to tell you what Jesus did, you know, uh, while he was on earth, up until the day he ascended. But now, I want to write to you a letter and tell you about all that is being done now through his disciples and through the church and through the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus is gone, but that same power that raised him from the dead, the same Holy Spirit, the same Spirit of God, is now at work through those who believe. The born-again believers now have been filled with the power of God, and they are showing the whole world this love that God has toward the people. They're doing the same thing that Jesus did. His ministry is continuing. And it's continuing now through so many people. It's amazing. And that's why we have the book of Acts. Because it is, the, the book of Acts is, 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 you know, if you will, it's just a record of what 120 people did in 40 years. 
That's all. Uh, one home group. One home group in an upper room. What happened to them? Because they got filled with the Holy Spirit, this power to be. And they began to do what Jesus told them to do in the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. You know, baptizing them and teaching them. Well, as he writes this letter, the one connection we find between the power of Jesus and all that he did in the book of Luke and all that was done by the born-again believers in the book of Acts, the single connection is power. That's what Jesus told them. Luke 24, 49. But tarry in Jerusalem. You wait here. Don't go out and start trying to minister. You wait here until you are endued with power from on high. Power, dunamis, the Greek word. Miracle working power, might, strength, force, ability. Until you get a supernatural power. And then when Luke starts this second letter, he, stay, he, he picks up exactly where he left off, and he's writing to Theophilus again, and, and, and he says in Acts 1-8, he, he, he talks about Jesus saying this to his disciples before he, he is being ascended, before he ascends into heaven, and he says, but you shall receive power. Again, the Greek word dunamis. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. As I said, that bridge between the earthly life and ministry of Jesus and the ministry of these born-again believers in the book of Acts is clearly the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot minimize this. We cannot marginalize it. We cannot just read over it and not understand that Jesus is connecting them to the same power that he had in his life. To the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus told them would come upon them. Because I know that you're students of the Word of God, and, uh, or you probably wouldn't be here on a Wednesday evening, you know, because this is, a, you know, a midweek service and uh, it's not a bless me, feed me, heal me meeting. This is a what will God accept from you meeting. This, will let's, this, this is a let's grow up in Christ meeting. Okay? Uh, I'm going to encourage you tonight to make a little trail through your Bible. Okay? Because I'm going to talk to you, and uh, you know, I'm not going to uh, you know, read the whole scriptures. I'm going to give you scripture references, and then I'll make a little commentary on each scripture because I want you to see how many times this fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts 1-8 came to pass in the lives of born-again believers. And what I have done, uh, I've been doing this since 1980. I've been making trails through my Bible. And I get, I, I get a new, very often I get a new Bible because I don't want to just always go back to what I used to go back to. And I'll, you know, go from this verse to that verse to that verse in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And I will make sure that if I have ever had the chance to share Share the word of God with someone that I will know where to go. Okay, that I could get up and and actually go from one and instead of saying, "Well, I think the Bible says somewhere," you know, and we may not all be able to remember every scripture and every verse, but you can certainly remember one of them. You know, if it's just John three sixteen, go to John three sixteen, and then you know, go down the list. If you don't have the list uh, that I'm going to share with you tonight, you can get that list on ezsermons.com. The notes are there, ezsermons.com. That's us. 
We, we maintain 27 websites, actually. So we are Golden Triangle Church on the Rock, but you might know us by a lot of other names. People from all over the world go to easysermons.com every week to get sermons and to get material and to get research. And, and, uh, and you can just go there and read the notes, okay? Or you can uh, um, also, you know, um, go to uh, cotr.com, and there's a resource section there. But at any rate, okay, uh, you can take notes. Or you can rewind and rewatch this. You can go back and watch this uh, again. But uh, these are some important scriptures on receiving the power to be a witness. Not just the power to witness, but the power to be a witness. There's a different demonstration. You know, uh, if, if people would have asked Peter, James, or John about Jesus after his resurrection... They would have told them that they were alive. They would have witnessed to them. Witnessing is, you know, it's something that we all do. But yet, they were locked in an upper room. Yet, they were, you know, concerned. And here in this upper room, there came a power that baptized them with the Holy Spirit and fire. And they kicked those doors open and went out in the streets and led 3,000 people to the Lord and did not stop for the rest of their lives. That proverbial 12 boys, uh, you know, uh, uh, the 11 disciples plus either Paul or Matthias, whichever one you want to believe, uh, was that 12? They carried the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to their whole known world in only 40 years. They went to Rome and Corinth and Thyatira and Pergamos and Philippi and Thessalonica and you know, all... And not even one of them owned a bicycle. They, and, and what are we doing with our 40 years? What are we doing with our 40 years? And the difference between them and, and others is that they had received this power to be a witness. Be a martyr. The word witness means martyr. That means to live as though you're dead. It doesn't mean to die. It means to live as though, live an abandoned life. That I'm all in. I'm just all in. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, go to some foreign country. It doesn't mean that you have to go, you know, down to, to, to some impoverished place. It just means that as you are going through life, whether you're going to school or whether you're going to workplace or you're going shopping or, uh, or, or just going in, uh, about your neighborhood, walking your dog, you are a walking, living witness because you have abandoned your life to Christ. You have, and, and, and you received a power to be a witness. There's a difference between witnessing and being a witness, okay? There's a difference between teaching and being a teacher. There's a difference between, you know, uh, 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 what you do and who you are. You know, uh, you can become a witness, a light shining in darkness, so that whenever you walk into a room, people all of a sudden know that there's something different about you, something, wait a second, wait a moment. Have you ever had that experience? Wait a moment. Hold on a second, you know, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, but that's, that's the promise of Emmanuel. That's what, you know, we are, you know, uh, God's hope, you know. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ lives in you. He wants to absolutely be the power that shines forth from you. Well, uh, let me give you these, these scripture verses, okay? And you can make your trail or, you know, let's, let's just start out. You, you have Acts, uh, excuse me, you have Luke 24, 49, and you have Acts 1, 8. 
Uh, let's throw in Acts 2, 1 through 4. Uh, this is the fulfillment on the day of Pentecost, you know. They were all with one accord in one place, you know, and, and there came a rushing mighty wind, and it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it filled the place where they were sitting, and, and, and uh, you know, cloven tongues of fire laid upon each one of them, and they all began to speak in tongues and prophesy as the Spirit gave utterance, you know. There was a baptism of power. That was the difference in their lives. There was a Peter, James, and John. There were 120 in that upper room, and all of a sudden there were 120 out in the streets, okay, and as I said, 3,000 from, from every known nation gathered there were, were saved and filled with that same power to be and took the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Acts, the second chapter, verse 16 through 21. You know, uh, Peter explained that this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is, you know, um, um, you know, in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Upon your handmaidens and men servants will I pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And it will be, you know, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is that, Peter said. Then on down in Acts 2 again, Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38 tells you that this can happen to you and to your children, your children's children. It was not just for the day of Pentecost. He said, but, but you know, uh, repent and be baptized. The little word for, ice, okay? The little word, a Greek word, it can mean for, it can mean because of. In order to, to be consistent with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ and with the book of Acts, we would have to read it, repent and be baptized because your sins have been forgiven. Jesus was not water baptized so he could become the son of god he was water baptized because he was the son of god and we aren't water baptized so that we can get saved we are water baptized because we are saved and this is the truth that we can receive the power of the holy spirit for the promise he said remember luke 24 49 uh, wait in jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high you know for the for, you know the, the wait upon the promise of the father well he said the promise the promise is to your children and your children's children, to as many as are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Isn't that great? The promise of being filled with its power is to you and to your children and to your children's children and to as many as are far off, even as many. This tells us as many as the Lord calls. This power to be, this promise of God is to you. Don't have to worry about it. Don't have to wonder about it. It's for you. The power of the Holy Spirit is for as many as God calls. In Acts, the eighth chapter, we find that, 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 uh, that you know, the disciples and those in the church in Jerusalem were scattered because of the persecution. In Acts 8, 4 through 8, the Bible tells us that Philip went down to Samaria and he preached Christ unto them. And they all with one heed began to give, you know, one accord began to give heed to the thing which Philip spoke. Am I talking too fast? They began to give heed to the things which Philip spoke, and they all, you know, were saved, and they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty good deal, huh? Yeah. You know, Philip uh, went out with the power of the Holy Spirit and shared Christ, and they were saved and water baptized. And the Bible says that there was great joy in the city. But if you go on down to about verse 14, Acts 8, 14 through 17, you'll find out in Acts 8, 14 that, that when, the, when the church in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received Christ, they sent Peter and John from Jerusalem up to Samaria, about you know, 40 or 50-mile walk, and, and, and got up to Samaria... Uh, 
Uh, and, and there, the Bible says that Peter and John saw that they had all believed, but they had not yet received the power to be. They had not yet received the Holy Spirit, only that they had been baptized. They had been saved and baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay? And there, Peter and John laid their hands on these people, and they received the power of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if we move along to Acts 10, okay, power to be all throughout the book of Acts. In Acts 10, you know the story about Cornelius probably. Uh, if you don't read it, it's a great story. There was a Roman centurion. He was not a Jew. He was not a believer in Jesus Christ. He was a Roman centurion, probably been in Israel maybe about 20 years because of his rank. And, and, and uh, he was you know, uh, impressed by the Jews. And so he started praying to God and giving alms, giving to the poor. That so impressed God. His heart impressed God. You know, God had a plan for his life. God knew who he was. God knew what he was doing. And one day he was in his house in Caesarea, and an angel showed up to him and said, Listen, your prayers and your giving to the poor has come up before God. I want you to send down to Joppa for a man named Peter. Peter's going to come. You'll find him in a house there by the sea. Bring him back here. He is going to tell you what you need to do. I love the fact that the angel didn't tell him how to get born again because that's our job you know the holy ghost is is, is in us for the for, for us to be a witness he didn't you know you, you you won't find angels telling you know getting people born again you'll find angels directing other people to go to them you know uh, visions and dreams always sending a person and so the angel told him do that cornelius sent his servants down got peter brought him back up the coast from joppa into into caesarea and acts 10 verses 44 through 48 the bible says while peter was talking to them while peter yet spoke these words the holy ghost fell on them on cornelius and everybody in his household i love the fact that god saves households and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in tongues and prophesy isn't that amazing well peter didn't really know what to do with that because peter was an apostle to the jews and here he is being used by god to reach out to a different people group and peter didn't even know if these people could be saved in fact he said it himself in in, in the latter part of acts 10th chapter he said, listen, I have, I have realized that you know, God is no respecter of persons. I didn't know this could happen. And so he has to go back in Acts eleven fifteen through 18. Peter has to go back and explain to the church in Jerusalem that some Gentiles done got saved and done got filled. I done got you. you, you, you. There, go, there went my uh, uh, facade of education, right? Peter done got all excited because his doctrine you know he didn't know but he's having to go down and explain to the church in jerusalem and they're going to have to okay this because if not then you know i mean do you have to be a jew to be a christian you know this blew his mind you know i perceive that god is no respecter of persons he said i, I my, my doctrine is shot and so peter explains it to them and he said listen who am i I mean, God saved these people, and I went up there, 
and me and John, and they were saved and they were water baptized, but they had not yet received the power to be a witness. How in the world can you be saved and water baptized in a New Testament period and not yet receive the power to be a witness? This is Peter's testimony. He said, so me and John laid hands on them, and God filled them with the Holy Spirit exactly the same way he did us on the day of Pentecost. The same thing that happened to us happened to them at that place. And he said, I, I, I don't, these Gentiles, I, I, what can I say? And so all of those who were at Jerusalem said, okay, hey, look, we're not going to complain about it either. Fine. Then in Acts 19, 1 through 6, the Bible tells us that Paul, having passed through the upper coast of what is now Turkey, uh, uh, he came down that little western coastline on the Aegean Sea and went to Ephesus. And he found certain disciples there. He found 12 men there and he said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we didn't even know there was any Holy Spirit. He said, unto what then were you baptized? They said, well, we were baptized in the baptism of John. He said, well, John truly baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying there's one coming after me that's mightier than I am, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This is Luke saying the same thing that Jesus said. and He, he said this in Acts first chapter, the very same thing, that he'll fill you, that, you know, you've been baptized yeah, by, by John the Baptist, but let me tell you, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit spirit and fire and so at that moment these 12 men said fine and they were all baptized by Paul in the name of Jesus then the Bible says that Peter prayed and when he prayed for them they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy and uh, you know and, and Peter was just I mean Paul rather Paul was just amazed um, again because you know it's here it is over and over and over and over again, this power to be a witness. It's not the power to speak in tongues. It's not the power to prophesy. You know, yes, do you get to? Sure, you get to. But if you make it all about that, you will miss the power to be a witness. Two requirements to be filled with the Holy Spirit that I have found in the Word of God. One is in Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 13. In Luke... Well, the, the first one, Acts 5, 32. Let me give you this one first. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, the Bible says that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. Now, if, if you would like to be a witness, let me tell you that the power to be a witness begins with you submitting your life to Almighty God. Okay? You say you're going to obey Him. Growing up requires some obedience. It requires some laying down of our own estimations, some of our own appetites, some of our own, uh, you know, uh, uh, protections, and giving our life to Him. You know, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. Then in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, the Bible says that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. You know, the word says, you have not because you ask not. Jesus said, ask and receive that your joy might be full. Jesus said, you know, you can ask the Father anything in my name. Well, here in Luke 11, verse 13, uh, you know, Jesus is plainly saying that, that, that if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you something else. He'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. God is a good God. So many people I have run across in life have never sincerely asked. You know, people who need to be born again. 
people who are living, you know, in a, a life that is, you know, frustrating, aggravating, irritating, who know about God, who may have been in church, or, you know, their grandmother, their mother, their, you know, them in church, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, singing the songs and hearing the messages, but have never come to a place where they have sincerely asked Jesus to come into their heart and their life, to be their Lord and Savior. You know, you can do that now, but, you know, I think it's a horrible shame that the church meets Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, some on Saturdays, some on Thursdays, and they never challenge people to ask, personally ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You can do that right now. You know, please, what would it hurt? Just like Elgin Taylor, who just passed away a couple of months ago. What a great friend. What a spiritual father. The man that stopped by and told Brenda. You know, gosh, he's been a friend for decades now. Without him, I wouldn't be right here. And all he did was he posed a question to her. What would it hurt to ask? What would it hurt to ask? And that changed, you know, everything. That's what God also says about the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you have been born again for, you know, a year, five years, ten years, twenty years, you know, fifty years. And maybe you have never asked God to fill you with the power to be a witness. Peter and John went up to a group of saved people who were baptized and loved Jesus. And great joy was in the city. But as yet the Holy Spirit had come upon none of them because they had not asked. But when they did, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I want to pray with you. Okay? And we're at the conclusion of our service tonight. I went ahead and concluded because, you know, I always follow that unction of the Lord. Tonight someone has gotten something, heard something that you needed to hear. Tonight someone has heard from God, and that's more important than the other things that we had planned to do for the last, you know, 15 minutes of our service. But right now, it's time for us to ask God to fill us with the power to be a witness. Okay. You know, uh, and if we read the book of Acts, we can find that God not only fills with the power to be a witness, but He refills. You'll find people having you know, uh, multiple uh, moments that God just revisits and reinvigorates their life with a power, with a renewal, with a refreshing in their life. Maybe you are needing a refreshing, a renewal. Maybe you are needing to, you know, that, that first love experience again. It can come for the simple asking. I've made a recent commitment in my life to God just, just Monday. You know, I, I drove to Austin and back, and I had so much time to talk to God. I was by myself in my car, and I just talked to God for about eight hours. You know, I'm just so thankful. But during that process, I made a renewed and a fresh commitment to God. 
you know, and it has revitalized me in the last two or three days. And I didn't even know I needed revitalizing. I thought I was on fire, and I am on fire. You know me, I, I wake up like this every day. But it's some, something in here. You can do that too. Whether you're on campus or online, let's right now, just in the sincerity of your heart, just turn your attention toward God right now. You know, you don't even have to say it out loud. You know, don't, don't be embarrassed there at home. Uh, other people watching with you, you know, or perhaps you're listening to this on a podcast. And, you know, uh, you, you, don't, you don't have to be embarrassed and you don't have to, you know, shout. And you don't have to, you, you, you can just simply call upon the name of the Lord. Are you willing to obey Him? Are you willing to follow Him? Are you willing to, to turn your life over into His hands? Well, if you are, then you're a candidate to be filled with His power to be a witness. Something powerful can happen in your life change you and all of a sudden the old things that were dull become fresh and new and revitalized all of a sudden the 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 people who ask you questions you have a different level of wisdom you have a different draw of the spirit y'all all of a sudden you begin to see things different you begin to intuit what god wants instead of what you all of a sudden there's this voice that 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 is reactivated revitalized strengthened in your life and you begin to wake with the thoughts do you wake up every morning with a song in your spirit i wake up in the mornings with a song of the lord singing in my head loudly the first thing i do you know every day the first thing i look at is the word of god and grab the word of god it speaks to me you know this morning i woke up again and there was a loud song playing in my head a worship song to the lord that's the power that lifts me up out of the bed every day and lifts you up out of the bed every day that calls to me through the day and stops me and i find that i that that i stop and i just call out to him and cry out to him that every chance i get to get in my car and get a alone it's time to just say God I just want to melt into you God oh God use me in today's world when so many people are going through so many crises and it looks like the world is turned upside down God needs some people that are filled with the power to be a witness that are motivated to stop on the side of the road and talk to somebody about Jesus that's motivated to tell the person in the line at Walmart I have the answer to your problems let me tell his name is Jesus what would it hurt to pray how many people have we prayed with I know that you have I have that's the power to be a witness to demonstrate the love of God to show the world the love that God has for them that's what we need to do that's God needs an army filled with love just encouraging people to reach out to him Let's ask him to fill us and refill us and revitalize our lives right now. Let's leave here more powerful and more productive. Let's let our tomorrow be a great day for God. Amen? Let's pray. Father. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I, I, I pray for me, Lord. I pray for my family, Lord. I, I, I pray for the congregation, Lord, my community, Lord. I, I, I pray for my nation, Lord, my generation, God. But Lord, I pray that they would have a witness, Lord. God, a strength, Lord. Somebody showing them the love that you have toward them, how you love them so much that you gave your son, Lord. Not just the power, Lord, to say the words, Lord, but a power that rises up on the inside of us, Lord, to, to, to live that, that 
to abandon life, Lord, so that you can call upon us at any moment, Lord, that the truth, Lord, comes out of us with a love, with a connection, with a power, Lord, with an anointing, Father, Lord, that changes lives, that breaks yokes, that encourages people. That same anointing that was in Elgin Taylor, Lord, that, that brought this young girl, Lord, to say, okay, Lord, that same anointing, God, that breaks yokes, Lord, and destroys them, God. Lord, fill us with the power to be a witness, Lord. Uh, God, send the Holy Spirit, Lord, upon us, Lord. And God, refresh us, Almighty God, so that rivers of living water flow out of our bellies, Lord, that we intuit your will, Lord. God, that we wait, God, Lord, with, with destiny, God, with hope, Lord, so that we, God, Lord, are, are Lord, not, not just locked up in a room, Lord, with our beliefs, God, but rather, Father, we find ourselves in the streets as witnesses to you, God. Lord, seeing lives changed, Lord, and destinies embraced, Lord, I pray, God, Feel us, Lord. Feel me, Lord. Feel everyone who calls upon you, Lord, with the power to be a witness in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.